White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. Brothers. Two brothers. Two takes. One team. (laughs) We're correct. (laughs) What a difference a week makes, man. Oh my gosh. Uh, You know, uh, it was a good weekend, friends, um, and Tom and I got to have uh, some of the best seats available in uh, the the house, uh, watching the Penn State win at the whiteout. Uh, what a great day for football. What a great day to win. You know, I, I went in with like a bunch of like cold weather clothes and gloves that I borrowed from dad, and it's just a gorgeous day from start to finish, man. We I flew in from Denver into Baltimore Thursday, and then on Friday we pulled Juan out of school, your son, um, in Maryland, and then we made the drive up to to Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. You drop, you kicked me out of the car at mom and dad's in Lewisburg. You <laughs> Barely ro- stopped. You rode up with Juan to like Coming College and did a visit up in Williamsport, um, and then we had ourselves a little family reunion Friday night before getting up and starting to pack up for the whiteout and to do some tailgating, and um, we knew it was going to be a beautiful day, and it was a beautiful day. I, I mean, I don't know why. I, I grew up in central Pennsylvania. Obviously, you grew up in pe- central Pennsylvania, but like, there's something about the beauty of central Pennsylvania fall that it's just, it doesn't, your memory doesn't live up to how beautiful it really is. And it was just the most beautiful day I've seen in a long time. We drove along 192 and my favorite drive in the whole world, especially on a beautiful fall day. It was just picture if you're, perfect. If you're a Penn State football fan and, and you were born and raised in Lewisburg, you are um, lucky enough to to be able to take that 192 drive to State College often throughout your childhood. And even as an adult, it is just a beautiful, picturesque, uh, lush um, valley. Um, it is just like it's like it's like it's the perfect farm valley to be driving through. You know, it's like Amish farms, and you know, there's all the horse and buggies and all that kind of stuff. But beautiful, fall, narrow, green yeah, valley. It's lush and vibrant. Ridges uh, on both sides covered with fall colors. I, I mean, wow. What yeah, a it's day. the northern this ridge line that runs from the Susquehanna Valley where we are to um hap, uh, to Happy Valley. It it is the Mount Nittany Ridge and Valley Ridge that 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 you basically parallel the whole way there, and it's like the northernmost reaches of the Ridge and Valley, uh, uh, geographically speaking, uh, in Pennsylvania before you get into some of the um different terrain up north. But it's just like it's just stunning. It's just pretty it's like it's just nostalgic it always and it always will be and and every other penn state fan that i know that makes that drive on on college football saturdays it's always a treat whether it's you know um the beginning of the football season or the middle or the end it's just fun to do and and we it it didn't even get cold like you said it didn't even the only time it got cold is when it was like after midnight when we were standing around waiting for the the traffic to move from our um our parking spot way back there in w uh, or something? Yeah, I went straight uh, to Baltimore after the game. Uh, we pulled out of the parking lot, I think, around 1230. Didn't get home until 330 a.m. Yeah, church the yeah. next morning. It was, I, you know, I had had six or so Coca-Colas from the, from the time we we left the stadium to the time I got home. And somehow I fell asleep, but I woke, I swear to you, I woke up Sunday morning at like 
8.30 a.m., still hopped up on caffeine and sugar. Yes. <laughs> like uh, and adrenaline. So um, all right, I had hey, a good day quick. at church. It was a good weekend all around. Real quick. Um, so that's our second whiteout in a row. Yeah. And and it's all thanks to to our pal up at Bergen Outdoor in New Hampshire, uh, Rudy Glocker, former Penn State Letterman uh, defensive lineman uh, from the '90s. Uh, we got to say thank you so much for the opportunity to go and enjoy two whiteouts in a row. I don't know why you're not going to them. Um, your loss is our gain. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and I've been able to bring my son, uh, you know, to those two whiteout games, which is. And I'll say you mentioned that, you know, we went did a college visit on Friday night at like Homing College. Uh, great, great visit there as well. But like, you know, I'm I'm just a couple I mean, I'm a year away from my son being out of the house off at college. And so the, these last two years have been some really, really meaningful father son times for me. Sure. And then uh, on Saturday, you and I also got to go with our father. So we yeah. got some father son time, too. It was. Yeah, it, it was all around great great day so we're very, very thankful to rudy for for making that happen and and, and as an year in a row to win <laughs> yeah right and, and sean clifford's now undefeated in whiteout games can still undefeated in whiteout games in his career that's amazing enough. um so at least whiteout games that people were allowed to attend yeah i don't think you they know. had a whiteout in yeah, 2020 maybe and maybe the cardboard cutouts were wearing white in the stands that <laughs> it but doesn't hey, so, count i don't so think. <laughs> also uh, you know shout out to rudy and and um we <laughs> i'm going this weekend to the ohio state game for the stripe out and i'm quite certain that his seats uh that we sat in are right in the blue stripe on the 50 yard line um and they're great seats so and it's they're near where our family seats were for decades Decades. Um, we were section EEU, and that's where our our family seats were for our whole entire lives up until I think like 2009 or so. We got we no longer yeah when they redid the stadium yeah, yeah we numbering didn't system or whatever. The, but uh, anyways, you know I I would say it, it just it, it was a great game. Uh, certainly gives you some some good feelings going into what's bound to be a very very tough game at best with Ohio yeah. State coming in next week. You're camped out in Lewisburg for the week, I guess. Um, and um, meanwhile, we got some football to talk about. Uh, so let, let's, uh, I'm going to give the outline episode. Uh, I should say, I'm going to give the episode outline. Give the outline uh, episode. I'm going <laughs> to this episode's about the outline. <laughs> I'm going to give the episode outline here, and then we'll uh, then we'll dig right in. Um, sure. So we will we will do the news and notes to start out some interesting games in the top 25. Um, Big Ten play is uh, as muddled as ever in the West. Um, some oh, yeah. things are continuing to shape up in the East. Um, we'll talk about that Minnesota win. Um, you know, I think uh, you and I in our game predictions last week. We're not expecting the result that we saw, and so we'll talk about about that. Um, we got a couple of mailbag entries this week, and then um, we got to look ahead at that Ohio State game. And um, we'll in there we'll talk about what it actually make of the Penn State team this year. You know, it's just there's some whiplash I think with this team at this point, and and what what do we make of all that? We'll talk about all that, but. First, we're going to start where we always do with our news and notes. News and notes. 
kind of like Penn State did this past week, Tom, I really think we're rounding into form on the news and notes. <laughs> so perfect. Uh, let's try and let's try and stick with what we what we worked out last week. You get the 10 second takes. I'm not going to re- comment on it. We'll give you one tangent. Um, I've got uh, five scores in the top 25 and then the, the Big Ten games. Give so, them to me. Uh, what's that? Give them to me. I'm <laughs> let's go. Are you ready? Ready? I'm going to feed you, man. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Um, all of these are upsets or near upsets. We'll start with one of the big games at the start of the day. We watched the conclusion of this game. Number five, Clemson squeezes the orange in the fourth quarter to come from behind to beat number 14, Syracuse, 27 to 21. The <laughs> They blew a golden opportunity to snap the, like, Clemson all-time win, like home win streak. I think Clemson just set their new all, or or maybe the NCAA's all-time home win streak. I forget what it was. Either way, Syracuse blew it. But you know, Syracuse has won games in the past, so against Clemson, so it's just another good game in that uh, newish uh, rivalry. All right, uh, here's your biggest upset of the weekend: unranked LSU shuts out Ole Miss in the second half to halt the Rebels' charge, beating them 45-20. to 20. You know, basically after the Clemson-Syracuse game, you and I and the, and the Juan and Dad left uh, watching that game and went straight to the Penn State game. So we didn't get to see any other football. So I, that this is not part of my 10-second take. I'm just saying I didn't really watch much college football other than that Clemson-Syracuse game. So as far as when we got the word at, at when we were like, I got a little update notification on my phone that LSU bl- obliterated Ole Miss, it was shocking to hear that they, they won 45-20. to 20. Um, You know, Ole Miss was probably due for a loss anyways. So LSU's cl- just, I think LSU's rounding into form. Their quarterback looks really good right now. Oh, they have a chance to repeat this coming week against Alabama. They, they yeah. host Alabama at home. So we'll see. Is LSU on the rise or is that a fluky win? Um, <clears throat> all right. Next headline. Uh, number eight TCU survives an upset bid by number 17 K-State coming from behind to remain unbeaten 38 to 28. I think Kansas State's top two quarterbacks got knocked out of this game. Um Whoops. <laughs> Taylor Martinez and then whoever the backup guy was also got knocked out who actually played admirably but it looks like TCU is the class of the Big 12 right now and we're probably due for a uh, TCU Oklahoma State uh, Big 12 title game which w- would end up being a pretty darn good game in my opinion that's it that's all I got next <laughs> all right uh, moving on number 10 Oregon claims the inside track to the Pac-12 by handing number 9 UCLA their first loss of the season in a convincing upset win 45 to 30 it's it's you know people look at UCLA and be like oh yeah you know hey they probably weren't as good as we thought they were and it's more like it's hard to win every week that's really what happens here in college football is college they're college kids Oregon got obliterated by Georgia and here they are now like back in the top 10 and like oh like like it's just hard it's hard every week to like put forth your best foot yeah we know what it's like to be obliterated by a top ranked team don't we yeah but here is Oregon climbing the top 10 again and by the way Bo Nix looks uh he's getting like Heisman talk you know right now I'm not sure if it's merited in the long run but he's in the conversation at least for some people all right. Um, last of your uh, top 25 
headlines. Number 11, Oklahoma State rallies to beat number 20, Texas, 41 to 34. I just like seeing Texas lose. That's just, that's my favorite. That's, you know, Texas, Oklahoma being, uh, you know, Sarkeesian and Quinn Ewers apparently, and I watched some of it, but did not look good in this game. Quinn Ewers, who was already crowned as being like, oh, you know, this kid's going to be the greatest of all time. He'd look, you know, mediocre in this game. So you never know. You never know with, with football players in college. You just don't know. Unless you're like, you know, part of the Death Stars of Georgia, Alabama, and, you know, Clemson and Ohio State. <laughs> and even then. Yeah. Well, um, moving into the Big Ten, um, we there were four Big Ten teams idle this week. It's it's bi-week season, apparently. Um, Penn State had theirs last week. Uh, four Big Ten teams this week uh, had a break. Illinois, Nebraska, Michigan, and Michigan State. So besides the, the Penn State game, there were only four other Big Ten. 10 games. Um, the one that, you know, we all hoped might be something worth talking about really wasn't number two, Ohio state obliterates Iowa 54 to 10. Um, I'm trying to look here at, cause now that I'm, you know, in, in front of a computer, I can see the outline and I'm trying to think, do I want to take a tangent here, you know, and, and, and not to talk about Ohio state, which, by the way, Ohio- I am. I'm taking a tangent. Okay, tangent. Okay. <laughs> tangent right. has Ohio- been called. <laughs> it's not to talk about Ohio State, but I will make the mention that Ohio State, like, like, oh, Iowa kept themselves in it from a stopping Ohio State from storming the tut- the end zone for the entire first half. Okay. Stroud yeah, they definitely was, frustrated Ohio State in the first half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Stroud threw, I think, one pick and had one fumble. Um, a so pick like, six? That was, yeah, no a pick six. Thank you. So Iowa kept themselves in it, but in reality, Iowa's offense is so incredibly pathetic that they just... It, it never was in. It never was a possibility. It never historically was historically bad. I would say yeah. Iowa's offense. Did you know, Andy, that Brian Ferentz is it Ferentz or Ferentz? Who cares? So uh, the law firm of Ferentz and Ferentz, <laughs> um, <laughs> the law firm of Ferentz and Ferentz, <laughs> um, Brian Ferentz, the the offensive coordinator, the son of the head coach Kirk. Did you know that? To skirt around nepotism laws and or like rules or whatever the heck it is in Iowa or the world. I'm not sure exactly how it works out. But the AD, Gary, is it, it's either Barta or Bartha, Gary Bartha. Busey, I think. Gary Busey. Gary Busey. <laughs> um, AD, Gary Busey, man, that'd be a, a reality show. <laughs> the athletic director is his direct superior, Brian, the OC's direct superior, so that he's in charge of him as far as legalities go. Yeah, I know that because I'm the one who told you that on Saturday. So you do know it. Yes, I do. <laughs> I still remember. Tell the court. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> okay, well, what, what, how ridiculous is that? That, like, in order to employ your own son, you have to be sneaky like this to keep your son employed and to like also be like, Hey, well, it's not my fault. He sucks. AD is his head is his superior. He's the one that gets, has to fire him. It's like, you all should be fired. All of you. It, it obviously goes without saying it is not working. <laughs> I mean, like he makes $900,000 a year 
to spew that offense onto the field every week. And by and and mind you, um, they're they're trotting. And this is an article I read, but like essentially Iowa uh, beat writers are like, you're trotting. Um, I mean, it wasn't I, it's national beat writers that are writing this, but but uh, and Pat Forty brought it to my attention that they're like, they're like, how are you trotting Spencer Petrus to the post presser every week and making him answer for what the coaches are doing? Essentially, like it's not just Spencer Petrus at this point. It is literally Brian and Kirk. They're like, you can't keep making this kid answer the questions for for the he- for the head and offensive coordinator coach's fault of of this ridiculous offense that that is being that is wasting a, a pretty darn good defense. It's only the third time in, um, I think Iowa either Iowa's history or Kirk Ferentz's history that um that they've given up. Over forty-five points in a Big Ten game. Think about that. You know that. Like, how many times has Penn State given up over forty-five points in a game? Yeah, and by like the way, most half. of those points came in the second half. You know, like the you know After the offense has done nothing to 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 do anything. Right. Um. You know, I, I I obviously whatever's going on with Iowa and their offense is is really really bad. I I, I do think it's worth noting that Iowa made the change that we've all been calling for for a while and that they pulled Spencer Petrus and put in their backup. I, I don't want to talk about what we are doing at quarterback e- yet. I'm just saying, you know, the, the fantasies of like that backup quarterback can save and salvage, you know, what's not working. Uh, he looked the the backup looked even worse than well, Petrus. Well, didn't he like either, either the possible. backup fumbled it twice or, or yeah, I mean or, or he, he fumbled the snap on the first. On the first I think snap. of the first of the first three plays, <laughs> didn't he have like two fumbles or something? Something like that. It was it wasn't good. They, his, between the two of them, they had eighty nine passing yards in the game. It was very bad. Yeah, so it's I, like I an feel, NFL rushing total was their. And I'm not total. saying this to pour it on the the Iowa team at all. Like I like. I don't hate Iowa at all for for whatever they've done to us over the years and and hurting our season. And I don't hate Kirk Ferentz, but w- what the the fans and the players of that team are being are having to deal with is just not. It's just, and they're not even owning it. You know, like the coaches aren't even owning it. Like everyone in the world is pouring down on this team as far as hey, you got to. Do something different, figure something out, and like they either can't or won't. Or it's both. really surprising that you know the coach's son continues to be employed, given how poorly the offense looks. I mean, and that, that to me, that to me is the is the oddest thing about all this. And like you said, the sort of strange arrangements that obviously hasn't helped. I mean. <clears throat> It, it, it makes you think like, you know, friends would say, you know, if you fire my son, I'm gone or something like that. Like, how do you four weeks it's, ago, it's a fan bad. paid Bob Stoops five hundred dollars to call out Brian Ferentz in a I forget what the, you know, you could pay. Like, oh, it was like a it was like a little encouragement kind of moment or whatever. They just hey, the Brian, name Brian. I know that people are up against you and. <laughs> And, and your pa- your family loves you. Maybe it's time to look for a different job. <laughs> yeah. Your parents support you. Your family supports you. 
but he didn't time know. To go stand, he didn't know it was for Brian Ferenc. Right. The fan came out later and posted it as like, a, "Hey, Brian Ferenc, this is for you." Hey, do you think if if like this <laughs> show takes off, people will pay us to do those like random greetings for? for I'll do folks? it. I'll do it. Yeah, me too, I'll man. Absolutely, like, do it. I'll, easy. I'll say whatever you want. For me. <laughs> Barring you know. Uh, Whatever. You know, <laughs> All right. Ruining my that, family's good name. Tangent, I think we've we've run this tangent as well, far as we almost, need to take just it. Just saying that tangent is almost cathartic to like what we deal with as Penn State fans. I'm I'm like almost like aligning with the, the Iowa fan to just air the grievance, you know? Yeah. Just to yes. be able to get my We stand get, in solidarity cathar- with yeah, a woeful exactly. <laughs> yeah. a woeful hopeless offense. I feel bad for for everyone who has to deal with that because we also dealt with it somewhat with jay paterno right to joe jay uh, that was not a spectacular experience on offense absolutely not all right um i'm gonna move on uh to the the rest of the big 10 we got three other games to to just briefly go over um here's your headline bro let's let's hear the take rutgers Rutgers gets their first Big Ten home win since 2017 after beating Indiana 24 to 17. So we play, we start to play both these teams, don't we? We sure do. Okay. So, um, stoked about that, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I think it's, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a really bad look for Indiana. This could be the beginning of the, um, Tom Allen like demise a, a, a loss like that because they were winning the game in that in that game I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like pulling one of the Jenga st- you know blocks out at, at a key key point in the game where Tom Allen won't have a, a bunch of legs to stand on moving forward if he doesn't just right the ship and, and get to a bowl game. Can well, he even get to a bowl game at this point? Year, it's the second year in a row for Indiana to have a very 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 bad season. Yeah, agreed. It's so. tough. And it seemed like for a while, this was a team on the Hey, ride. remember when you weren't supposed to talk after I talked? <laughs> Good point. All right, moving on. <laughs> Touche. All right, last <laughs> last headline. <laughs> last headline. A short-handed Maryland does it on the ground versus Northwestern, sealing a 31-24 win with a game-winning 75-yard rushing touchdown in the final minutes. Hemby. That running back Hemby, I believe is his name. We also got to play him. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, for as much as, you know, we think that like the, the back quarter of our schedule is going to be a, a cakewalk. We still got to win the games and, and Maryland's not exactly, I, I think Tua is, or excuse me, Talia, I think Talia is hurt. He didn't play in the game. So I don't know how long he's out for, but we still got to win these games. Um, and they got some players for sure. All right, that does it for your Big Ten scoreboard. Um, you know the the standings in the Big Ten right now. Um, the East largely the same. Maryland won, Penn State won. So uh, these two teams are sitting right behind, uh, undefeated Ohio State and Michigan. Um, you know, Penn State three wins, one loss. Maryland three wins, two losses. Uh, Maryland is vying for that. You know that next right level. Us. Behind us. Yeah. And um, meanwhile, depending on what happens with Ohio State and Penn State this weekend, that that game at the end of the season Mm -hmm. is looking to be hugely consequential. Penn State could throw a little bit of a wrinkle into that uh, this week, but we'll see. Um, Rutgers, Michigan State, Indiana. 
they're at the bottom of the East. Zero quality teams there. Only one conference win apiece. Michigan State still only has one conference win. Yeah, I mean, and but but they're on a one game win streak right now, <laughs> you know. But but Indiana's on a five game lose streak. So, um, meanwhile, over in the West, uh, super muddy. Uh, at the top, you've got now ranked at number seventeen, Illinois. They're the only ranked team in the West, by the way. The three and one of the conference, six and one overall. That's by the way the same record Penn State has. Yep. Um, I'm very glad we're not um, playing them this this year. Yeah, but they're gonna now they're gonna face Purdue and Michigan back to back in mid November. So that's you know they have some difficult games coming up. But right now Illinois is in the driver's seat. Meanwhile, Purdue even with that Wisconsin loss is still in second place, three and two in the conference. So that Illinois Purdue game could really be, you know, the game that makes that uh, West Conference, uh, excuse me, the West Division come together. But um, you know, what's hilarious? The bottom, the, you know what's, what's hilarious that? here? What's that? It's Northwestern has lost six straight games, and they're still technically ahead of Iowa in the conference. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> Minnesota, Iowa, Northwestern, they're holding down the bottom of the West with just one win each in the conference. How how is that possible that they, they hold a tiebreaker over Iowa at both being one and three in the conference? But being one and six, Northwestern is one and six overall, and Iowa is three and four. How, what's the tiebreaker yeah, so. situation there? I guess they so. Would By be... the way, do you know who Illinois' only loss this season is? Um. Yeah, it was like a weird crap game. First game of the season. Yeah, they played. They lost Indiana. To Indiana. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you believe yeah. that? Well, that that. By the way, that's Indiana got. Indiana, like how we um, got Indiana by Indiana in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so they lost their opener in a close game against a, a Big Ten opponent, and they haven't been able to right the ship since, essentially. That's literally what happened no, to us. No, Indiana won. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Their yeah, first game against my, I'm Illinois. Dumb. I'm dumb. So they reverse Indiana themselves. <laughs> yeah, they they had a chance to start with the things going in the right direction, and they just. I'm a dummy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, um, that'll do it for news and notes. Let's go ahead and um, round the corner and talk about that whiteout game. I we already kind of set the table for the the just the feel of the day coming into the stadium. It was just a beautiful fall day. It was interesting for me, bro, going into the stadium, especially compared to last year. Last year was my first whiteout ever. Yeah. It was against Auburn. We were undefeated at that point. Auburn at that time was considered to be, they may have even been ranked. They considered to be a really top level opponent and it was really a measuring stick game. There was just so much electricity from the first moment stepping into the stadium. It was not that way this week. Uh, now, people were happy. The stadium was full. People got there early, but it didn't have the same juice in my judgment. Yeah. I mean, once you dude, you just you you lose the way you lose to any team, whether it's but you add the fact that it was a Big Ten Michigan loss and it just doesn't allow you to have the same exuberance. You know, now that exuberance got built, uh, you know, in the second half. Uh, of this game, obviously, uh, and the and the crowd was going crazy, and it was awesome. It was beautiful. Um, and, but yeah, going into it, I'm like, I'm like, eh, looking around, I'm like, 
Are people like ho- like expecting like it's almost like you're walking on eggshells a little bit. As far as as much as a crowd of 110,000 can walk on eggshells, it's yeah, like they, they were tepid at sometimes in some of the early cheers, you know, like yeah. they, they were trying to get into it, but it wasn't full throated yeah. by all 109,000. They needed to 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 be to have some confidence from the team and they didn't have it going into it. That's yeah. the, that's the issue. Now, I will say the crowd p- played still a pretty major factor in Minnesota's Five performance. Starts. I think there were four in the first quarter on, on yeah, yeah, um, yeah, Minnesota, yeah. including like two in the same series. So they ended up being like third and 20 backed up like nearly to their goal line at one yeah. point. So it really helped our defense that we had, you know, uh, that whiteout crowd. Um, obviously, they had a a backup quarterback in there and, um, you know, clearly their line was a little jittery. Yeah. But um, on the other side of the coin, you know, we all watched this game unfold in the first quarter on Penn State's offense. Very, very slow. Some very suspect play calling slash execution, you know. And by the second series, second straight three and out, there were some boos starting to 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 pepper in. And then on the third hold series, on, when hold Sean on, Clifford real quick. Threw, hold on. Yeah. Through that interception, it was, I mean, it was audible uh, pretty strongly. I'm not cool with that for the record. I did not. That's not a good look. You're on national TV at your whiteout homecoming game. Like, I don't like we're five, five and one going into it. And you're ranked 16th. And it's just like, I I understand being upset at Franklin, being upset with Clifford, like, but booing your, your team on their home field, booing your starting quarterback on his home field, booing your you can't fire franklin like this just it's just a bad look on national stage on abc it just you can't can't do it i, I mean it, obviously it's, it's being it ungrateful like, it's being ungrateful for like what we actually do possess you know what we actually do possess do you want to be texas a&m and have and have jimbo fisher and those recruiting classes and being three and four you know and not being ranked and being embarrassed by Appalachian State, like we ha- have it better than a lot of people. I get the frustration. I am frustrated. I d- I talked about starting Aller. I've not have not been a huge Clifford supporter this year. He made me eat crow. Franklin too, at least in this game. So like, what what the booze are not substantiated in my opinion. Well, I. I mean, that to me is a big part of the context of what happened in this game is that, I mean, by the third uh, series of the Penn State offense, you had a lot of people vocally shouting their disapproval of what they were seeing. And, you know, I think at the time it, it was a carryover of the ineptitude of the Penn State offense that they saw against Michigan and had seen against Northwestern the week prior, you know, so. I don't disagree. Um, <clears throat> you know, they. W- you know, whatever was going on early in the game, not, it, there was nothing different that, that we were seeing. And by the way, you know, that interception was returned inside the 20, you know, probably one of the big moments of the game after that was the defense coming up with some big stops, uh, not letting them get a first down and, you know, forcing them to uh, a field goal try. So you're only down three nil, you know, at the end of the first quarter, but at that point, you know, I mean, I was not very happy with what I was seeing. And I, you know, the offensive line didn't seem to get a good push. Um, and I was, it looked like it was going to be a low scoring, 
ugly, ugly game at that point. And like you said, you've got 109,000 people now of which a significant portion are, are vocally uh, upset and, and, you know, pouring out their disapproval toward your quarterback. What are you going to do at that? What's a coaching staff going to do? What's your sixth year quarterback for your starter going to do at that point? And like you said, man, you know, they proved the doubters wrong. Both of them. Yes. Yersich, I'm eating crow. Franklin. I'm eating crow. We, totally. we, we were scared of this Minnesota game a couple weeks ago. We were scared of it going in even. I picked they I I personally you picked said, man. if Clifford starts, we're gonna lose. That's how That's bad my said. confidence in this game was, obviously. And in Clifford and in Franklin and just the history of but you know, we talked about this team. Going in, you know, coming out of the Auburn game, coming out of the even the Central Michigan game, you know, you know, we were just like, oh, this team has a different feel to it. This team has a different feel to it, and it still does. It still does. It definitely has a different feel to it than last season. You know, look, call it a Michigan hangover or whatever you want, but once the page turned uh, from the first quarter to the second quarter, it was like watching the team that we have expected and hoped right. to see. Okay, right. um, Clifford, like for the game, forty excuse me, seventy four percent completion percentage. After the interception, he threw four touchdowns the remainder of the day. Um, you know, he, he just he had his best game of the season. He threw Andy. for almost three hundred yards. Yep, his best game of the season. It also was, you know, he passed Trace McSorley for the all time record of career. Completions at Penn while State while Trace McSorley was watching too. It's true. <laughs> while McSorley <laughs> was watching point. on. That's a good point. Um, <laughs> it was a homecoming game, by the way. I don't think we had yep. discussed that aspect of it, and uh, it's been a long time since I've been there for a homecoming game, and I don't know if it's ever happened where the homecoming games also been the whiteout. But that was a kind of a special. And they thing wore their people, they wore the generations they wore the generations of greatness uniforms with the stripe and the numbers on the helmet and the white cleats and um, yeah. Um, yeah, and that between, was his career. Uh, Go ahead. I was going to say each commercial break, like they had a different, like, you know, group of players come out and, you know, share a little bit. Like, so Trace McSorley they, was out there and he led the, we are the Penn State chant. 2012 team. Yep. It, it was just, a, it was a, a great atmosphere they, as the game got going. Like it got to be a better and better atmosphere. I thought as, as things went along. Yep. They had AQ Shipley, a former, uh, Penn State center, um, who was an all uh, all Big Ten center for us? Um, who got drafted, won a Super Bowl in the NFL. He he came out and led uh, a couple of We Are's and all that kind of stuff. It was a great a great atmosphere and a great uh, day for football. A great day for Penn State. A great day for getting some monkeys off the back for Franklin and Clifford. And um, I mean, the offense was clicking after the first quarter. That's really what was going on. Is yeah, Clifford absolutely. was clicking after the first quarter. Let's talk about a couple of the things, you know, and we should talk about the defense too, because the defense had a day. No doubt. But let's just talk about a couple of things that we saw on offense that that sort of changed things. And I think there were a couple of key plays, but also I think there were just a couple of key, you know, I don't know if it's game planning or execution that that really kind of made the difference today compared to, let's say, last week or even Northwestern. And I would say the, to me, the first and most obvious one is the tight ends got involved in the passing game in a big, big way. I mean, the tight ends got involved, not only the tight ends, but the wide receivers were also heavily involved. And, um, I mean, I, nobody, I think, 
too much outside of Parker Washington and and uh, Tinsley, but Parker Washington made several key plays, including that incredible uh, climbing the ladder, high pointing it touchdown. That was a, a prayer of a throw with <laughs> you know a man in his face. Actually, it was a great throw by Clifford. Quite to be honest with you, quite frankly, it, it was it um, was a perfect throw. But, but Tins- when he but- let it go, go ahead. I was going to say when he let it go, it looked like a replay of that interception. Like I was, I was like thinking, oh no, not again. Well, he didn't have safety. <laughs> and it was a great. Help. It was. It, it didn't like. Right, it was true. He was on an island more so than it was with the 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 safety help that was going on in the the prior uh, for the interception. But also, what I think, you know, there was a point in the game um, when um, Clifford. Uh, caught a guy off sides and instead of throwing it deep and and taking advantage of the sure five yard penalty that was coming, he threw like a a, a check down pass and, and, you know, got like six yards out of it, you know, and it's like, that's a free play for you to throw it deep. And later in that drive, I think even the same thing happened and Clifford instantaneously recognized it. And so did Tinsley and Tinsley took off at, down the sideline and Clifford just put it up there for him to make a catch. And Tinsley made an incredible left arm, one handed catch over his shoulder with the defender, like all over him. And it was an amazing I, I will say that play. The wide receivers were making incredible Plays. catches yeah. all day. Yeah, it kind of, you know, Clifford's first pass of the day was not a great one. Um, but Parker Washington made a great catch, sort of went horizontal to reel in a mm-hmm. short pass. But it, mm-hmm. it, it kind of, to me, was like a signal like the wide receivers have come to play today. And um, they, they carried that on through. I, I did not see any bad drops. You know, I saw a lot of great catches from the wide receivers. So, um, you know, meanwhile, Clifford was putting it on the money and a lot of uh, a lot of big pass plays, uh, a couple of the seam plays of the tight end. There was one to Theo Johnson in particular where he was covered pretty tightly down the middle and Clifford made a beautiful pass to the opposite side of the defender, you know, for a big, I don't know if it was 20 or 30 yard gain and um, a touchdown followed shortly thereafter. So yeah, Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson, both had big time touchdown passes. Um, And like you said, we're going to get to to our defense, but let's briefly touch on Minnesota's defense. That was the, uh, I think, a top five scoring defense in the country and a top five pass defense in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, top 20 rushing defense. And a top 20 rushing defense, huh? Yeah, yeah, they, they, (laughs) you know, now now you can make the... you know, this is where it gets into this, like, you know, do you give credit and what do you give credit to? It's like, did we expose them uh, for playing cupcakes with padded, you know, padding their defensive stats all, all season long? Uh, and we just expose that um, or like, like, so, so are we good or are they bad? Like, you know, but right. in, in yeah. my opinion, you still have to have the game Penn State had to even have that conversation. So you still have to do it on the field. And Penn State played solid you know again for three quarters you know the first quarter the our defense kept it kept it close and uh then then our offense finally got going look minnesota is not a slouch of the team they may not be the team that folks expected they've got one of the best running backs in the country and they uh, played the way, with a backup quarterback sadly for them at least they're they're they were thrown out of a backup quarterback but you know as an offense um you know, designed by Kirk Sharaka, who is sort of back again. Um, 
they put up a lot of points earlier in the season. And, um, and meanwhile, like you said, their defense has been very, very respectable from a, you know, halfway through the season, statistically speaking, you know, one of the top defenses in the country. And so, um, on the flip side of the coin, you have Penn state who, you know, did not come in with the ability, showing the ability to score a lot of points against big 10 teams, particularly big 10 teams with good defenses, Northwestern, we didn't put up a lot of points. Yes, it was in a hurricane, but we looked inept. Michigan, we just were stuck in neutral all game. Even against Purdue, we did not look great. Granted, it was the first game of the season, you know, but the only teams that we had played where we had any sense of an offensive pulse, they were they were teams outside of the conference, you know. And so that to me, I, I agree with you. You ask yourself, you know, how good is Minnesota? And, you know, what does it say more about their defense or our offense? But the fact that we put together a complete game against a team that, you know, had a pulse, was a well-coached football team. We basically uh, put that, their defense on tilt at a certain point, scoring on four, scoring a touchdown on four straight drives. And the final one of which, by the way, Tinsley wasn't even covered total blown coverage for for his touchdown it was just like we, we got them really out of sorts that's for sure totally that's we, yeah, for sure we, we put their defense on tilt it was it was and both our you know between our two true freshman running backs we they had over 160 yards i believe combined with almost equal statistics minus you know singleton getting two touchdowns and katron getting none but katron his yards were you know arguably more impactful to the um to, yeah, he had like, the tougher yards moving. He had the, the chains. more important yards as far as keeping drives going. And Singleton just Yeah, go ahead. I was say he had a couple of uh runs where he just was running guys over, yeah. running through guys, carrying guys, you know, really, really tough yards. And meanwhile, tough Singleton yards. Yeah, meanwhile, Singleton got a couple of of runs where he he finally got through the first line of defense and and you know put some afterburners on and got some big gains. And real quick, he, you know, to touch on Singleton, you know, Singleton gets the, you know, all the headlines compared to Catron Allen, which I don't think is fair, um, really, but it is just. I kind of feel goes. like right now, Catron Allen is the more complete back. I think a lot of, I think most Penn State fans feel that way, whereas everybody knows Singleton's the guy that's going to be able to bust a, a 30 plus yard run, uh, you know, a 40, 50 plus yard run at a moment's notice where Catron Allen's the guy who's dependably going to get, move the chains for you, which is j just as important. You can't be just continually swinging for the fence all the time. Um, so so Nick's uh, Singleton with his 79 yards on 13 carries. It was his third game with multiple rushing touchdowns. He now has four touchdowns of 30 yards or more this season. He now has seven rushing touchdowns on the season, tying Saquon Barkley for the second most by a Penn State freshman, behind uh, the, the number one guy in Noah Kane, uh, who has eight. And, um, you know, basically... Yeah, with five games left to play. Basically, he, I think he has... As many more more rushing yards this season in seven games than our lead rusher did last year in thirteen games, which is Kevon Lee. Singleton has uh, five hundred sixty one uh, yards on the season, and I believe that was I believe it's more than what Kevon Lee had all season last year in almost twice the number of games. Yeah, well, let's just say uh, you know whatever we might you know want to say about Mike Yersich, uh, the Penn State offense in general. Uh, we've corrected some major things about the running game and it's it's looking 
very, very good compared to what we saw last year. Um, 175 rushing yards in that game, by the way, uh, bring our total offense in the game to a, a, a really solid, um, you know, 479 uh, total yards of offense. So. Andy, Singleton has a chance this season to go over 1,000 yards, especially I mean, if you include wow. the the, uh, the bowl game. He's a chance to do it. I'm not saying he will, but but with some of the defenses that we're going to end up playing with Maryland, Indiana, Rutgers, uh, even the way Michigan State plays, like there's opportunities for Singleton to have multiple 100-plus uh, yard games. Now, here's one thing that I do want to touch on here. Uh, Landon Tangwall did not play again this week. Um, our left starting left guard, uh, Hunter Norzad filled in for him and did a pretty good job. He did a pretty good job, obviously. You know, we didn't have Clifford was, you know, I think Clifford was pretty clean in the pocket. Um, by and large, for the most of the night, he was he wasn't tucking and running with his internal clock going off and having happy feet in in the backfield a ton. We, we didn't see that a lot uh, uh, from Clifford, at least after the first quarter, especially. But interestingly enough, our starting right guard Sal Warmly did not play the entire first half. Um, our our rotation of Caden Wallace and uh, Bryce Effner at right tackle, we started with. Bryce Effner playing in place of Sal Warmly for the right guard position and Caden Wallace was the starting right tackle and then Caden Wallace went down in the second half and Sal Warmly came in at, at right guard started playing his right guard spot and then Bryce Effner moved out to right tackle um, and 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 to, to add to that um, what we saw you know um, I think Brenton Strange had what two catches for uh, kind of I don't want to say meaningless yards, but like he didn't have any flash plays in the game. He only had one reception for five okay. yards. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, I think it would seem to me that because of some of the offensive line um, health issues, and there was talk of maybe Sal Warmly even being. Um, possibly suspended for the first half uh, and had to sit for the first half. I don't know the answer to that. I'm There's just speculation about it. But because of the inconsistencies and, and some of the health stuff with the offensive line, that I think Brenton Strange being the better of the blocking tight ends, that they required him in that game to be blocking more than going down you know, and, and opening things up essentially for uh, Tyler Warren and um, Theo Johnson to to find the seams and the, and get behind um, the linebackers and behind the safeties and and kind of get forgotten about because these guys these are guys that haven't done much this season so far. I mean, I I think it's really good a point that our our offensive line was not, um, you know, the starting offensive line was not quite. Uh, the unit that has been the last couple of weeks, even so, because in spite of the fact that, that we were dealing with some adversity there, um, you know, they held up well, 175 yards on the ground. Uh, there were no sacks allowed on the day. And, yeah. um, yeah. you know, so whether it was Brenton strange, you know, chipping in or whether it was, um, just the guys, you know, out of position, um, they just made it work. It was, it was a good day against a very solid Minnesota defense, mind you. Well, this is like, you know, the, the kind of wrinkles that happened against 
Minnesota offensively, like getting the tight ends involved, getting Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren involved, especially. I mean, that was a career day for both Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson, sort of. I mean, it was a career day for Theo Johnson. It was a uh, career high in yards. It was his second uh, uh, touchdown of his career, and it was the the his first touchdown um, in a Big Ten game, and it was Tyler Warren's. Um, I believe uh, his, the longest reception of his career and his second career touchdown receiving touchdown as well. So, you know, they, 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 Yursich uh, obviously found some reason to send these guys over the middle down the seam. And haven't we been wanting to see that like all season, uh, all season long? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like why have we, why did we wait until getting blown out by Michigan to, to try and, you know, figure that out? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Um, I just want to say I was really glad to see it. And like that to me is the sort of impact that uh, has been missing in the passing game in general. I mean, that's been yeah. the knock on Clifford. Um, the knock on our passing game is ha we haven't had downfield passing, but you know, Theo Johnson, 25 yard catch, Parker Washington, 35 yard catch, Tyler Warren, 38 yard catch, Michael Tinsley, 30 yard catch. So, you know, I, it just was a, a much different looking um, passing game for for Penn State than we've seen all year, and just perfect timing for it. You know, uh, will that carry over to Ohio State? I don't know, but um, you know, winning a game against uh, a team that you know preseason was talked about a potential a West Division winner in the uh, Minnesota Golden Gophers, like I mean. 45 to 17 was that final score, largely on the strength of that passing attack. You wanna, I'm going to give you a couple of little Parker Washington tidbits here. Oh, uh, I as, like Parker Washington uh, tidbits. Yeah, I, I mean, this is the game that Parker Washington needed, uh, you know, th that we've been waiting for kind of all season to, to be doing. Um, and, I mean, he caught seven balls for 70 yards and a touchdown. Um And it was his 11th career touchdown reception, but only his first of the season. All right. I know. So Can you believe we've, that? We've been waiting for this. And hopefully this is his breakout Let's to, hope. Like, to get it going for the and be, Clifford needed his wide receivers all season to be, you know, making these kinds of plays. And it's like it took this long. So but anyways, um the uh it was his it was his 27th career reception of 20 yards or more. He has caught a pass in all 29 games of his career. All right. Um, he has moved into 10th all time um, with 130 receptions in his career, um, leaping, leapfrogging OJ McDuffie and Mike Gesicki. Those are some big names, man. And he now has um, 1,697 career yards, moving past KJ Hamler into 17th all-time, and with his touchdown reception that he had, he tied Tony Johnson, Scott Fitzke, who I don't personally remember at all because it was before I was born, Freddie Scott, who I definitely remember from you know the 94 team and beyond, um, Freddie Scott and Jesse James. He he moves into a tie for 11 uh, touchdowns all-time, for uh, 11 touchdowns in his career, 16th all-time, tied with t Tony, Freddie, and Jesse James. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, we we know we knew Parker Washington was a great athlete, a great receiver. Yeah. Um, he's starting to you're starting to see that on the all time stat sheet catch, for Penn State. That catch was incredible. That catch he made in the it end was zone was elite. incredible. It was it was definitely elite level receiving. Um, you know, it just I could watch that replay, you know, time and again. I 
would love to see Parker spin that performance into, uh, you know, the last five games of the season where he's just unstoppable, where he's just hauling in catch after catch. And, uh, you know, if this is a breakout for the Penn State passing attack, well, it couldn't have come at a better time. If we're going to need to go toe to toe with the point scoring machine of Ohio State. That's exactly what I'm saying. If we are going to need to, like, at least, you know, you got the ball rolling in the right direction coming out of the Minnesota game against allegedly a pretty solid pass defense and scoring defense. Yeah. Um, look, let's talk a little bit about the defense uh, before we get into the mailbag. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about the defense then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, for me, uh, you know, I'm thinking to myself, what? where was this last week? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, we talked about it before the game, uh, the podcast last week. This is going to be Michigan 2.0. It's a very, very similar approach to this, uh, to their offensive, you know, what they want to do. Um, and so the defense is going to have a chance to do what they should have done against Michigan. And they did it. Our defense's game plan worked to a T. I mean, we held them to two touchdowns, one of which, which came very, very late in the game. Um, the other, of which was fueled by uh, just, you know, and a very, low percentage 50 yard uh throw and catch that just they happened to make right at the end luck. of the half more luck than anything it was well I mean, defended. you know hand it to him it was a great play but like outside of that play and the game with the, excuse me the drive with our uh second string in you know we just shut them down all day okay let me let me let me uh let me make give some context here and a little bit of backstory okay who's our who's our defensive coordinator Manny Diaz is our defensive coordinator. Who's our linebackers coach? Manny Diaz is our linebackers coach. What was our biggest concern coming into this season? 100% the linebackers. At least on defense. Um, yeah, and right. and w- where is Miami currently without Manny Diaz? They are not having a great season right now. They just lost they, to Duke. They just got embarrassed by Duke. Yeah. Um, and, and their defense gave up 45 points to Duke. All right. Yeah. All right. And that's that's with Mario Cristobal, who's a I I, I, I don't know if he's a defensive minded guy, but he's a conservative kind of guy. He's a he's not he's not the, that defense is not playing the way Manny Diaz defense is, was playing prior to, you know, Manny leaving. So their loss is our gain because here we have Curtis Jacobs, who played last year, but kind of underwhelmed given his recruiting billing as being a, I think he was a borderline five star. Some rec- some re- recruiting outlets had him as a five star. And so we were excited about him and he kind of, none of our linebackers kind of lived up to the billing last year b- with the exception of, you know, Lucetta looked great as a, as an edge rusher for us when we needed him to, to make the shift, but, but he was a linebacker still. Um, so, you know, um, here, he, here we have against one of the best running backs in the country you know, with a backup quarterback who also is running uh, because they're not chucking the ball with consistency deep. And we have our true freshman, Abdul Carter, coming in, making his first career start. And he, against this rushing attack, we have Curtis Jacobs recording a career-high 14 tackles. And we have Abdul Carter registering a career-high eight tackles. All right? So our, line, our two stud linebackers are are making considerable plays across the field. You know, that that the um 
you know, uh, Mo Ibrahim, hats off to him. He is a an, a great running back. He's a violent runner. And you get the you give him the ball 30 times. And, it, it, you know, we held him to 100 yards almost exactly on the day. And, over, you know, over the course of 30 carries, what are you complaining about? Like, there's nothing to complain about with how we bottled him up. We kept that running game in check, as far as I'm concerned. You know, so... And my, Minnesota has a lot of really good offensive linemen, too. So we're, these linebackers are fighting through... Um, you know, the defensive line did their job, you know, not letting the uh, op, that those offensive linemen get to the second level to block these linebackers. And, dude, there was that one play... Abdul Carter fought through an, an amazing um, block around the edge to, to, to basically stop a guy on um on, on third down and it was just it was a great play so i i'm happy with what i see from the the production and the um uh the development of the of these two guys right now and I, what about you how are you feeling about how our linebackers perform being the weakest link in this defense coming into the season well the, they had a great performance yeah um they're you know rounding into form at just the right time. I mean, whatever was wrong against Michigan, uh, they corrected a lot of those problems. Absolutely. I don't know what we're going to see from them this coming week, but we got to see more of the same. And, you know, to me, Abdul Carter is a revelation. Curtis Jacobs, like you said, had the best game of his career. He needs to have another one like it. By the way, um, Defensive line looked right. They were getting a push. They they were you know in the backfield all day. Seven tackles for loss on yeah, the day. And, and by the way, um, speaking of lo- tackles for loss and linebackers, Tyler Elsden recorded a solo tackle for a loss. Who's number forty three? By the way, Charlie Catcher, number forty five, notched a solo tackle for a loss in the second quarter. It was his first first career tackle for a loss. He's been fighting through injury a lot in his career, and it was a it was a, a you know a big time play he made. So so not just our two stud linebackers are making um, you know plays and disrupted plays in the backfield, but our backup linebackers are too. I mean, I guess Elsden technically is our starter, but they rotate that middle linebacker with Kobe King quite a bit too. So just really great to see, you know, a lot of um, players making an impact uh, in an important game. This is, this was a, to me, this game was a, a, um, you know, a must win game. If you didn't want this season to spiral out of control. Uh, it was a must-win game, and you know I say the season looks a lot different sitting at six and one than it would have been sitting at five and two. Uh, I, we were just talking before we pressed record on this podcast last year. After seven games, we were five and two, right? And we had just lost an Illinois game, right? You know, after the Iowa loss, you know we, you know that one game, the unranked team sandwiched in between two top five games. It's exactly like this year. We are five and zero. Lost the top five team in Iowa last year. Lost the top five team in Michigan this year. Ohio State coming up on the other side of this in between game. And when we lost that Illinois game, obviously there were circumstances there. The the nine overtime disaster that it was. It just it just changed the complexion. It was a three game losing streak, and we just never recovered the rest of the season. And not just to eke out a win here, which was really helpful for the record, but to make a statement. I think uh, both on offense and on defense that you know what we saw last week against Michigan is not who we are. Yeah, uh, it really whatever happens this coming week against Ohio State, it really gives you hope that I mean ten and two to me is a hundred percent on the table. 
It's not a foregone conclusion. We have some tough games still ahead after Ohio State. Who knows what happens at Ohio State? Who knows what happens with injuries? But, you know, to me, you you show that you are a team that when you're playing well, you know, and I this certainly plays into the coin flip Clifford MO, right? He had another great game. He's had great games in the past. He's going to have to continue to have great games to, to, for the rest of the season to look good. But um, it really changes the complexion of the team, uh, the complexion of the season, the complexion of you know what you think about Penn State football going forward. Yeah, and and Andy, if you don't mind, I'd like to to, to wrap up on the defense here a little bit, just to kind of give some um, notable uh, notable stuff here about the defense. You know, um, Joey Porter had another pass breakup in this game. To um, it was it, it, he now has eleven on the season. It was it was the kind of play that he turned around at the perfect time. Uh, you know, and it's just like it showed the elite nature. It was the one I think it was the one time they threw his way all game, and it was like Joey was just blanketed this guy. And it's the, it's now eleven on the season, which is the most since Amani Oruwarier had in two thousand twelve when he had twelve. So our our best players are playing, you know, their best ball basically at this point on the defense um this season and and to 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 round it out Andy Jake Pinniger hit a 42 yard field goal and you know he he hit he nailed all his extra points there was no concern whatsoever um it just it was a it was a good it was a good outing. It was a really, really good outing for for everybody. The defense, especially the the offense, got it going after the third quarter, after the first quarter for three quarters. It was great. It was it was pretty awesome. Well, uh, yeah, it was it was just you came away from that game feeling good about uh, as good as you could feel coming out of the game is how we felt. You know, well, I mean, I mean, even their quarterback answer, was nine of twenty two. You know, so uh, it doesn't and, answer and, all the questions that we have about Penn State. You know, and until you can go up against a top ranked team and play toe to toe with them and even come away with a win, it's it's not gonna ultimately be what the Penn State fans want. But we did everything we needed to do. We we had a good game plan on both sides of the ball of the ball. Players executed on both sides of the ball and you know, I definitely settled the talk about Clifford, the talk about Yursich uh, to talk about Franklin and well, put us in a position to go into the Ohio State game with a sense of momentum and belief. So, and speaking of Ohio State, and I guess we're gonna we're gonna transition here, you know, and you know when you think about what we can do against Ohio State, um, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to score points with them, um, and and I think you you mentioned that like, okay, our. Uh, Ohio State's strength on offense is going up against our strength on defense, which we believe that our strength is our secondary. Correct? Yeah, I, I, I want to put a pause on that because we have mailbag, as I said earlier. Oh, you want to go? Oh, I apologize. I'm yeah, like, so excited. I'm so excited about Ohio State. I'm so excited I, about the you know good reason to be out. excited about Ohio stripe State. We got two mailbag entries and and we gotta we gotta get to it or we won't. So here we go. Mailbag is open. Mailbag time. By the way, I love that you have a chance to finally follow the the outline and but I'm not you just choose not to. I'm so used <laughs> I'm so used to not even looking at it that I don't now. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Hey, um we're gonna go back uh in time a little bit, just by about a week, because we got 
uh, a new mailbag entry from a new contributor, uh, Shane Dowd. Um, he sent a mailbag entry right about the time we were recording last week, and it was about the bye week coming off of that uh, Michigan loss. Um, and uh, he, he sent a nice little uh, note with a, a word of appreciation to you and me for all we do. So thank you, uh, Shane, for that word. But he just, without comment, he took the time to research all of the bye week records for the Big the Ten. <laughs> Teams going back to 2014. So, like, what what happened wow. after the bye week? And um, it was fascinating. He didn't give any comments about it. He just put it in the email. And I, I just I think it, you know, especially feeling good out of this uh, after this Minnesota game, it, it gives it us a chance to, to us just come. To, sure, sure. Go come, ahead. Yeah, you know, come down to earth a little. I bit. I haven't All seen right. this yet, so you're giving it to me for the first time. Exactly. So, just a couple questions for you, Penn State. Three and seven after bye week under Franklin. Where do you think that falls out of the 14 teams in the Big Ten? What rank does that put Penn State in since 2014? I have no conceptual idea where to. What do you think? Uh, seventh out of out of 14. 13th out of 14. Okay. The, 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 I was. I was assuming it was going to be really bad, but that's why I went against that because I thought you were going to like blow my mind and say, no, Franklin's actually pretty good in contest. He is not. He is not <laughs> pretty good. The, the, the one school that's behind us, do you, know, you want to guess who that is? Rutgers. You'd think, but no, Maryland. Well, same team. By the way, Maryland, in the time that Franklin's been at Penn State, Maryland has had four head coaches. Ugh. That's so uh, Rutgers, Rutgers, uh, yeah, Rutgers is just above Penn State. They they have just as many losses, three, but not, excuse me, just as many wins, three, but not as many losses at six. Um, who who do you think the top team is in the conference coming out of a bye week? Oh, this is going to be a tough one. I'm sure 100. percent It's Ohio State. Yeah, and and the how many losses do they have coming out of a bye week since 2014? None, zero, <laughs> zero. They are undefeated coming out of a bye week under. Uh, Urban Two Meyer coaches. and and um, yeah, Ryan O'Day, uh, whatever his name is, Ryan O'Day, whatever. O'Day. Hey, Ryan O'Day, how are you doing today? <laughs> um, yeah, there's uh, there's a bunch of teams holding down the middle. All right, with like within one of wins and losses, so like five and four, five and five, four and five. Um, those teams include Michigan, Iowa, Purdue, Northwestern, Michigan State. Like Those if you're just teams. if you were just fifty fifty, you know you would you would be in the middle of the pack. I mean, well, Franklin if you is a, if, if just you a applied thirty percent win, if he's percent. three and seven. What if you were just seven and three? Think about what what um four you know one extra win over the course of four different seasons could have done. Yeah, the the best for team the season Ohio's. Best team after Ohio State is Wisconsin at six and three, so that would put you at second best in the conference. If no, you I, those I'm numbers. suggesting, Andy. I'm suggesting. What I'm saying is, let's say you apply an extra win in 2017. Let's say you apply uh, an extra sure. win. Think about how much different of a we look at. We would look at James Franklin if each of the last four more wins, as opposed to in a season, yeah. you'd yeah. be these ten. The the, the we'd have a, a, an extra. You know, maybe you'd be like eleven and one. You, you know, wouldn't and, even be nervous about a hot seat no. with Franklin if you if just, you would have, just figure out how to capitalize on your bye week. Exactly. 
It's not just like, oh, the record's three and seven. Like, eh, who cares? It's like, it actually greatly matters in the, in college football, utilizing your bye week to, to not just get healthy, but to win your next game. It's to an game extra week plan of to prep. win your next game. It's an game. extra week of, you know, game planning. And Dude, uh, yeah, if Frank. You, if you could at least have made your bye week count to make yourself look like a, a competitive team against Michigan, we'd feel different. You know, absolutely. So, so it's not even like even in the context of win and loss. It's like it's not even that. It's like you looked so bad in that game that like people are gonna throw that against the resume wall and be like, we can't value Penn State because of the eye test that was Michigan, Penn State. You know? Yeah, right. Like, do how we- many measuring sticks do we have this season? It's we our measuring sticks are Michigan and Ohio State. No one. We could go this whole season not playing a ranked, uh, not winning a, against a ranked team. So how do you how do you like measure Penn State if you don't play at least Ohio State competitively now, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think that's a a great point and, you know, let's say even by some pipe dream you end up, you know, beating Ohio State, Michigan wins the Big 10. Do you have any argument whatsoever that Penn State should be considered to be in a 14 playoff? Yeah, of Probably course not. you do. Of course you I do. Don't, because, I mean, that what I'm you saying beat though, Ohio is State. That, that's of course, of course you do. But what I'm saying is, when you face plant like you did against Michigan, it really puts a lot of doubt in people's minds, and it and it be very easy for the Again, community to write Ohio us State off. or excuse me, Oregon face planted against Georgia. Well, I'm not saying that there won't be other teams. All that to say, bye week record is very bad. And uh, Shane, yeah. Yeah. thank you so much for yeah. for putting an exclamation point on that. I will just say. One of the other problems Franklin's had has been losses piling up. Sir, where you he got you that monkey lose off his back more right than one this week, and we we definitely uh, emphatically you know uh, changed that. You know now it's not not to say we won't have to pick ourselves up losses two from and three. <laughs> it's not yeah, it's like or one we, and three. We, we gotta we may need to keep losses from piling up again. You know, but depending on how this Ohio State game goes out, um, turns out. So we'll see. But all right, uh, Shane, thank you so much. Um, got another mailbag. Um, this is from a fellow named Old J. Etner Bay. Ig Pay Atenlay. And it's about the whiteout. All right. So um, it, it's a great experience. Everyone's, I mean, everyone who's been there says there's nothing like it. And it's hard to, imagine there being something else like it. And um, so his would you rather is related to that reality. Would you rather Tom have the whiteout for our toughest home opponent each year, giving us a little higher likelihood of winning that game, but resulting in an overall lower winning percentage for the whiteout. Or would you just, would you prefer to distribute the whiteout against various opponents? which would result in a higher win percentage for whiteout games, but take away the advantage against our hardest home opponent. What do you think, Tom? Well, we obviously have, um, you know, what's, what's our, it's like we're five, we're a 500 ball club more or less in, in the whiteout games. I think, I think that's right. I don't have the stats right in front of me, but let's just assume that's about right. Um, there's some of that there's, is related to who we're playing in those games, right? Obviously, that's the point. So we have we have like data points for that. And and here now, I think I think there's been only 
you know, who there's only been a few games that haven't been Michigan or Ohio State for the whiteout. Okay. So it's like yeah, Auburn. When was the when was the last team that we played who was not Michigan or Ohio State? I just said Auburn and Minnesota now. So two years in a row, we haven't had um, Michigan or Ohio State. But then prior to that, I think what you're thinking of is when we had Notre Dame back in 2007. Who was the last non-Michigan or Ohio State ranked opponent? Oh, none? No one? Alabama. Alabama. Number three, Alabama in 2011. Yeah. And that was, was that a 24 to three game? I think it was what it was. 11 to 27 loss. Um, oh, wow. Okay. And when Auburn came in last year. That was, by the way, Rob Bolden's first, like his second start of his career, I think. Yeah, rough way to get going, I guess. He, 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 <laughs> he played in the first game. We're like, oh, he's pretty good. Traverse true freshman under Joe Paterno. Neat. And then like, he <laughs> literally, like, I don't want to say it was a full-blown um uh, Roberson against Iowa performance, but it kind of was. Yeah, it, it's what he, it looked like. Could not get anything going that yeah. day. What what I was about to say is that other than Auburn last year, from Alabama to Auburn, every whiteout has State been was either Michigan or and Ohio that, State. That, got, that gets old. That gets stale. You know, yeah, there so was would a time. You rather? Would you I'm rather? Get, I'm getting to that, but there was a time that that um you know. We didn't do the whiteout every year. It's certainly become a marketing and recruiting tactic now, which they. Yeah, I don't think you're going away from it. Until we'll never stop go away from it again. It. I mean, they'll never go away from it again. In fact, there was what one year, a couple years ago, that Franklin called for an extra whiteout. Um, <laughs> he went off script. He did. Um, yeah, he, I don't think anyone okayed that. He just did it on Twitter, and it and it turned into one. But anyway, so. Um, there's merits to both, man. There, there, there are merits to both. Um, it was nice. I was saying to you, it, and without knowing this, this was the mailbag question I was saying to you uh, when we were preparing for this episode earlier, that it does feel nice coming out of a whiteout with a convincing victory. It, it, if you're always like, it, you know, Clifford is undefeated in his whiteout games now. This year against Minnesota, last year against Auburn, and back in 2019 um, when there was a crowd uh, for the Michigan game. But that Michigan game, we like held on for dear life after g- jumping out to a, um, a a convincing 21, I think, to nothing lead. Um, it kind of just it depends on the year, really. Like I would have in 2020, would we have wanted that whiteout crowd against Ohio State? Absolutely. Would we? Want a, a primetime whiteout game against Ohio State for this coming Saturday? You better believe it. We want that whiteout crowd. And we're kind of getting one, but it's not primetime. The stripeout's no whiteout. The a noon kickoff's no whiteout compared to, to, you know, what we saw last year against Auburn. That, that stadium was juiced. But you and you can probably attribute some, that, that close one score game against Auburn. You can attribute some of that to the crowd, you know, the the juice of the crowd, the the jitters that maybe Auburn was experiencing, and and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a tough. It's a tough. What's your answer? I'm 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 waffling back and forth. I don't know. Uh, I like moving it around. It's a, you know one angle for it is as far for your answer is even Minnesota experience, experiencing a whiteout is like good for college football that like. Yeah, like the, the rest of the Big Ten 
teams get to be like, oh man, I got to be involved in a whiteout game. Like Trey here's Potts, the, here's for, the Trey other Potts for Minnesota is a Williamsport running back. His whole family took up a big a big portion of this of the sidelines right behind the Minnesota um, bench, and and they got to experience their their son, um, you know, in a whiteout game, and that's pretty cool, you know. So I, I I think I like it. I think I like moving it around. I agree. Yeah. Here's the other thing I think is um, when in the year does the game occur? Because I think in the middle of the fall is great. I'm not sure I yeah. want it to be the first game of the season. Right. And I'm right. not sure I want it to be in late nope. November. It'll never be in late November. The other team so, has to sign off on, on, a, on a night game in November. So here's the um, here's where the rubber meets the road. Okay. 2023. We start off on September 2nd, West Virginia at home. Then our next uh Decent home game isn't until October 7th, Indiana. Then we have two games away in the middle of October. And then our next home game is October 28th versus Iowa, followed November 4th versus Michigan. I'm going to assume Indiana is not going to be a whiteout. Iowa. So do you want to start the season versus West Virginia with a whiteout, or do you want to have October 28th, Iowa, or November 4th, Michigan? What would you do next year? Well, I'm probably going to choose West Virginia. Starting the season with a whiteout. For the sake of it being like a marquee national, it just it just has a little bit more juice to it than like, especially the way Iowa's laying some I, know, right I was going to say, if Iowa had some sense that it was going to be a big game, I would say choose Iowa. I, I, Iowa <laughs> and Beaver Stadium doesn't scare me right now. I don't, not saying that West Virginia does scare me, but like it, it's a... Just to see those brands uh, under the under the lights that's like a, a, that's new. You just said moving it around, like you know. I, I I think it's I think it'll be fun. I think it's it'll be fun if it's um if it's West Virginia, I, Iowa. I can see them doing Iowa because the Big Ten game and Big Ten games mean more. But I you know it's not going to be Michigan the next week in November. However, it's it's not impossible. So I would certainly choose Michigan over Iowa. I would also choose Michigan over um over uh, West Virginia too, but that's not a foregone conclusion. I'm choosing to move it around. I'm choosing to move it around and I'm, and I'm saying I'd like to see new teams. And, and if West Virginia happens to be that, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Um, that That's Joel's answer too. He'd like to see it moved around as well. Um, and um, maybe in a couple of years, you know, bring it back to Ohio state or whatever um, after you've like developed it, continuing to be a reputation of, of, of being a feared part of the game. Um, so yeah, thanks Joel for that question. Good one. And good one to think about who's going to be the whiteout next year. In the meanwhile, we've got, could have been a whiteout candidate this year. The only reason it's not is because Fox has the game yeah. and they are putting it at noon. Yeah. Um, and so uh, this is, Saturday, uh, we got a new and that's not kick. changing with Fox. By the way, Fox is a, a major partner, and they're big. They have rebranded because of the World Series. They they've branded noon. Yeah, it's because they have the World Series. That's exactly right. Because uh, the, the World Series game will be played on Saturday evening, and so they're not going to compete with their own scheduling there. Um, so it, it's not a whiteout. It is a stripe, stripe out, out, which I think is a good choice for a midday game. That'll look yeah. 
that'll yeah. look attractive. I'll be in the um, blue too. It'll be great. I don't have to wear white two weeks in a row. <laughs> Ohio State is coming at number two. Some people are saying they should be number one. They're undefeated at seven and zero. Uh, currently, they're fifteen point favorites. The ESPN uh, algorithm gives them a, a seventy nine point six chance to win at this point. Um, they're fifteen point favorite uh, coming into Beaver Stadium for. A game that's you know uh, Penn State's the last, home time, the last time they came into Pe- to Penn State, um, as the With number the two crowd. team in the as the number two team in the country, we beat them. Think yeah. about that They're coming off a was, Minnesota win, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, there are some interesting parallels this season to that season. Um, Michigan getting molly whopped, um, you know, but uh, and, and then by the beating, way, that same game was the last time Penn State beat Ohio State. I know. I'm it's very been aware. six years since we, we've come close in a number of years. Kept it respectable almost every year. Hey, so guess what? What? You know, let's we'll start talking about Ohio State here. Obviously, so um, after I uh, preemptively jumped the gun, but the the this is another opportunity for Franklin. Three weeks in a row for Franklin and Clifford to get a monkey off their back. Definitely. I mean, you know, Clifford's I mean, never could, beaten Ohio State. Clifford's never beaten Ohio State. He's never beaten a. He's never won a top ten matchup, and Franklin has never won a top five match. Oh, sorry. Ne- this, with the exception of 2016, he is uh, not won a top five matchup other than that 2016 uh, game. I think the degree of difficulty here is extremely high. Oh yeah, um, I'm not suggesting it's going to be. You know, easy I, I was just looking at, at 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 Ohio State's team, and it's just like. I mean, they just have players, man. Like quarterback CJ Stroud, right? He's a Heisman front runner right now. Um, running back Travion Henderson, uh, he leads the country in yards per carry, by the way. And he uh, hasn't even. No, no, no. Playing. I'm sorry. That's me. No, that's me. Williams. Williams. They're, they're yeah, backup. Who, who? Yeah. Who, who leads uh, in yards per carry? But meanwhile, Travion Henderson was just a terror last year. Um, they got, you know, they got wide receivers on their bench who would, you know put terror into any passing defense. Yeah, they're like three uh, deep everywhere. It's it's in, and they've got a lot of defensive stars as well. Um you know, unlike Michigan who's like I want to run it down your throat and you I dare you to stop me. Ohio State's kind of different than they're a they're a passing offense with an extremely good rushing attack. You can't focus on stopping the run and you can't focus on stopping the pass. You've got to be extremely well balanced cuz they will get you any way that you have any sort of crack in your offense. That's part of what Ryan Day does. He's like, let me see what's the one area that you don't have well defended. I'm going to exploit that on this play. They, bro, they're the number one scoring offense in the country. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm aware. No, I'm sorry. Number two, they're half a point per game behind oh, Tennessee. It's Yeah, neck and neck 49.6 points per game is what they're averaging right now. And our defense is, I think, allowing what, like, seventeen points. Per yeah, game? we're respectable scoring defense. We're we're in the top twenty-five, but um, where they do lead the team, lead the country, is the number of touchdowns they've scored. Forty-seven touchdowns this year already. Yeah, they get in the darn end zone for sure. I mean, so so, and, and by the way, you know, you talked about Mayan Williams or me and Williams. Um, it, uh, Singleton's not far off his marks, just so you know. 
Uh, so Mia Williams has 74 carries to Singleton's 82. Mia Williams has 516 yards, 516 yards to Nick Singleton's 561. He has nine touchdowns to Nick Singleton's seven touchdowns. It's not like, you know, we don't have a, like, you know, a running back who can, who, and running backs for, but for that matter, that can make some plays. It's really what, what's going on there is they have an offensive line that can like, you know, consistently like be relied upon to both pass protect for CJ Stroud and b- open holes for their their running back against a- solid. And competition. they've got an extremely potent passing attack, right? Uh, you know, downfield passing. Penn State has not, and this is where I cut you off. You know, Penn State has not seen a team that has this kind of a. I mean, I don't know if they've, they've seen a team that has any kind of downfield passing attack. Purdue, they were a short passing team, uh, but but. I mean, they're averaging through the air. I mean, all of their receivers are averaging through the air like 15 plus yards per reception. It's ridiculous. Um, And so like our secondary, which is, I would say, the strength of our team, still the strength of our team, our pass efficiency defense, uh, we're top five in the nation still. You know, that's the strength of our team. Can we hold up against, you know, the Ohio State passing attack or are we going to find that, you know, we just can't hold up under the skill and scheme well, that Ohio so, State brings so, to the and table. And here's where I was going before I got cut off back before we got, went to the mailbag is, you know, what we've been doing against quarterbacks all season defensively is holding them to very bad efficiency. Um, the, you know, but po- low completion percentage. Um, and um, what, what we saw in, uh, from our defense against Minnesota was um, – the Gophers came into the season, or sorry, came into the game uh, with an FBS leading 66.2% conversion um, on third down. And we right. held them to two of 13 for 15.3%. Now, again, backup quarterback, nowhere near the caliber of um, CJ Stroud's ability and nowhere near the weapons on the outside that, that Ohio State has. But, like, if you want, to see some numbers that can support, hey, here's our str- here are some of our strengths, and here are some of the ways we're getting better. Like we are, you know, um, knocking passes down. We are intercepting passes. We are creating fumbles. We are um, now getting better at, at, at stopping third down conversions, which has been an Achilles heel, heel of ours. And even in the Auburn game, by the way, the bend but not break. Um, and then against a you know, a great running team. We we held them in check by and large, and and kept the, and held them. There's their point total to below our season average. So, the defense has a chance to be a a difference maker uh, in this game. Has a chance to. Now that doesn't. Yeah. I'm not saying that they're not yeah. going to get I, their points and yards, but in but they have a chance to like be disruptive and slow them down and and what really needs to happen in my opinion is that while the while the defense has to do their job the other piece to that puzzle is we got to we got to score at least 30 plus points in this game we have to we cannot yeah, they're, probably they're defense, closer to they're Ohio we'll State's get closer defense, to 50 than 30 in this game in order to win it i agree i mean i mean look at that this this is the type of game where you know, we got to play the way Tennessee played against Alabama. Like, absolutely. You know, we, we but, really here, do. but here's one of the issues is, you know, points. Uh, Ohio State's defense is only allowing 
points per game on the season. That's good for fifth in the country. And they have one of the better defenses in the country. Absolutely. But, but also, if you look at their, if you go and look at what they've done, Andy, I mean, they've, they have played nobody. I mean, as I was, far as as far as an offense that can threaten or yeah, a so, defense so that can stop look, them, they played nobody. Reasons to hope. All right. Yeah, reasons sure. to hope. All sure. right. Who have they played this year is one of the reasons to hope. The only team that they've played with more than four wins, do you know who that would be? Notre Dame? False. Uh, Notre Dame Wisconsin. does have four wins. Uh, Notre Dame go. and Rutgers are the two teams they played with a winning record uh, besides this other team. Uh, a five-win Toledo. that they beat 77 to 21 exactly five win toledo and then you have four win notre dame and rutgers and and like you said none of those teams have an offense with a pulse notre dame like they've been up and down uh they have not been able to put points on the board most of their games i mean the basically Um, the big 10 is down with 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 the exception of illinois penn state and michigan and ohio state you know, Purdue's a team junction. that can put some points on the board. Um, Maryland is a team that can put some points on the board. But Ohio State hasn't faced any of those teams yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, so reason to hope is that, you know, Ohio State's defense hasn't been measured against a solid offense. Now, I think I remember saying something similar when we played Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know, a good team is a good team and they got players and, you know, yeah. their defensive line, you know, has high likelihood of wreaking havoc on our own line and their linebackers are dudes, man. I mean, uh, Tommy Eichenberg, who, who had a pick six, uh, this past week, he has 57 Horrible tackles throw. on the season. Horrible throw for that. On that, well, pass, obviously, on that play. But 57 <laughs> tackles on the season, two and a half sacks. Um, they're by the way, their defensive ends, uh, Michael Hall Jr. and uh, Javante John Baptiste, uh, they have seven and a half sacks between them. Yeah, so uh, you know, again, the competition they're playing doesn't necessarily speak to you know, necessarily a high quality opponent, but. Penn State struggled in those same areas. You know, they struggled to run against good linebacking. They've struggled to protect against a strong pass rush. Um, So, you know, what can we, on the offensive side, can we get our act together and and put together the kind of offensive performance we saw against, like, say, Auburn or Minnesota this past week? Or is it going to be another kind of slow, hard slog that, you know, we're going to get stymied like we did against Michigan uh, or against Northwestern for that matter. Uh, so I, I agree with this, you. Our offense is going to have to run with them. <laughs> we, this we, the, literally every single phase of, of this team, every single position group on this team, every single player on this team is going to need to play their best game individually as well as in congruence with a good if not great game plan by the coaches in order for us to hang with Ohio State in this game and then we're going to need I don't want to say fluke but we're going to need some luck to have a ball or two bounce our way 
you know, and it kind of felt like in the first half of the mission game, like, oh my gosh, we are a couple of these lucky plays have kept us in this game. And then like, is it, is it helping us enough along to get our footing in this game? And then that footing never occurred. Yeah. By the way, Iowa kind of had that kind of game against Ohio Absolutely. State Absolutely. and what the second half looked like for them, you know, same, similar to Michigan, Michigan for us, which is, <laughs> yeah. you know, just a point avalanche and, um, yeah, so it's also going to have to be a complete I, I, game. We are better than... We have the ability and the talent to put forth a better foot than Iowa did. You know, in the they haven't played anybody category. Again, what gives you hope is like on the defensive side, like Ohio State's putting up all these points, again, against some very poor teams. But then I you was digging down and it's like, well, actually, but they faced one of the best defenses in the country in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And even though Iowa frustrated them in the first half, by, by the end of the game, they couldn't I mean, hang on long dude, enough. You need to score points. You have to score put, points. You have. To, they put fifty-four points on the board against Iowa. The, Iowa also turned the ball over like six times. I'm not saying like there that. aren't mitigating circumstances. I'm not saying that Ohio State's going to do the same thing against us. And like I said, Iowa oh, did frustrate okay. their okay. offense in the first half. But absolutely. But but they, I, I think, they just didn't have any hope. They literally had no hope. It was all just like false hope. It was all just all of it. You can't be one dimensional. Um, well, and, and I, I would say you know against Michigan, right? Like we had a shot, and, and I I kind of said my my fault on that Michigan game was not the defense. It was the offense that failed to score, possess the ball, yeah. and make stuff happen. We hung the defense out to dry. Yeah, and and so I do agree with you. This coming game, you know, I mean, our defense is going to have to play lights out. We're going to have to frustrate Ohio State's offense. We're going to have to try to get some stops, probably more stops than we did against Michigan. But I think the onus is on our offense to score some points, possess the ball, and try to hang with Ohio State. In 2016, we're going to, and we're going to just point to this game. In 2016, um, you know, obviously it was a whiteout. It was a night game. It was, uh, it, you know, it was not a top 10 crowd, by the way, because I don't think people were feeling good about that game. People weren't feeling good about that team. People weren't feeling good about Franklin. It was um, a whiteout, dude. I just said that, but it was not a top 10 crowd is what I'm saying. It, it did not like, it wasn't oh, like, it didn't holy Herculean matchup. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just checked the the, t- the attendance records for uh, the last, you know, whatever, uh, ever. The crowd definitely made an impact in that game. I'm not for suggesting sure. it didn't. My point is people weren't like they're thinking upset. You know, they just, it didn't. Uh, th- and, and I'm thinking people aren't thinking that about this game either, you know? It I just, agree. It looks like, a, you know, the Death Star of Ohio State is just going to, you know, blow up the Penn State yeah, Penn planet. State will be lucky to register any bit of resistance toward so, the Imperial forces coming in and obliterating. You know, this is not this is not going to be. Uh, but but if you remember that game, JT Barrett did not have a great game in he, that game. He had a you very know. poor game and we we rattled him. Well, that's so. That's what's gonna yeah. need to happen. We we didn't. People don't realize Chop Robinson didn't play in this last game. 
um, for us. I don't know why. I don't know if he was injured. Um, I think I think there is the thought that he and speculation that he might have been injured. We are going to need him for this game. And deny Dennis Sutton uh, is starting to come on as being a, a solid defensive end. Adisa Isaac just had a pretty darn good game. Uh, five five tackles. I think it was a career high for him. Um, we need our defensive line to like play disruptive football. We like we need them to have a transcendent performance to rattle CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud is capable of making mistakes. He's capable of having stretches of 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 ineptitude um which he makes up for in droves with yards and touchdowns of course. But if you can gain the momentum and frustrate this this quarterback enough you have a chance and and then on the on the flip side Clifford is going to need to build on what he just did against Minnesota. He the receivers are going to need to build on what they just did against Minnesota. The tight ends are going to need to build on what they just did against Minnesota. The <laughs> the offensive line and the running backs are going to need to build on what they just did against Minnesota. This cannot be the type of game where we falter and and take, you know, one step forward and two steps back in any department of of our, you know, our team. Uh, to 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 be able to even consider the prospect of of hanging with Ohio State, but in that 2016 game, we kept it close enough that you know that blocked field goal for a touchdown put us in position to win that game. But we still closed out that game with defense. We closed the fluke, like got us the win, but our defense sealed it. Our defense played four quarters against Ohio State. You know, so so I, 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 it's not impossible. Nothing is impossible. Is it likely? I do not feel good that it is going to be likely that we keep them in check and and go to blow for blow with them in a high scoring matchup. I, you know, I I just I don't. It just doesn't appear that way. But hey, you know, Alabama lost to Tennessee. So. You know, last year, last year. Um it was a nine point win for Ohio state. Um, right. We did not make Stroud look particularly bad. He had almost 300 yards passing. Right. Uh, Travion Henderson, by the way, ran 152 yards against us. Right. Um, it was still nine points. And the difference maker in that game was a scoop and score because Sean Clifford got obliterated and gave I up the ball when he got that. sandwiched between two guys and um, there are 300 pound linemen uh, ran it back for a touchdown. All right. Um, aside from that, you know, seven point swing, it was a two point game and you know, who knows what happens if Penn state actually hangs onto that ball and either punts it deep or um, you know, actually gets a score there. So, you know, I would say, Again, is there hope? Yeah. I mean, they're two big playmakers, CJ Stroud, Travion Henderson. Like, they didn't even have particularly exceptional days against Penn State last year, even though I should say we didn't have an exceptional defensive performance against them last year, and we still kept it close. And, um, and it was just a it was just a mistake. I mean, I, I do think like Clifford's going to have to play mistake free. We're you know we cannot tolerate 
our running backs putting the ball on the ground. We can't give up uh, a cheap turnover. We can't let them scoop and score, get a, a yeah. you know, a, a kickoff return for touchdown or whatever. If we can play clean and tight there, I, maybe we do have a chance, you know, now this is CJ Stroud's second year in the system. Is he going to be able to do more against us this year than he did last year? Maybe, you know, do they have more, uh, healthy players. They have more experienced players in the other skill positions. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, I do think it's, I do think it's possible that you get a lopsided game. That's not in our favor. Um, but I also think, Hey, that, by the way, was that game at Ohio state last year? Um, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> right? right. So, so, and by the way, uh, Getting back to Travion Henderson, he only had 38 rushing yards against Ohio, or excuse me, against Iowa last week for 3.5 yards per carry, no touchdowns. My, me and Williams ran 10 times for 19 yards and one touchdown for an average of 1.9. Their team only had 66 yards rushing in the game. And and by the way, Travion Henderson, I think, is still nursing an injury and might like might be still nicked up. Um, Leon Williamson is, is, or Williams is, is the one nursing the injury. Oh, is he? Okay. Fair. Yeah. He, uh, well, he, they both have been nicked up this year. Okay. Okay. Is, yeah. is the, kind of the uh, point. So, um, similar. Their, their uh, number one uh, wide receiver target, the guy who broke all the records last year, Jackson uh, Smith and broke, Jigbug got hurt again in this that's game. What, that's what it's yeah. in. And he, that was his first game back. Correct. After Since the having, Notre Dame game. Yeah, exactly. So now, fortunately for Ohio State, they still have you know Marvin Harrison Jr. and they still have Amika Egbuka, uh, who's come on in in Jackson Smith and Jigba's uh, uh, absence, and then of course Julian Fleming of uh, Pennsylvania, who you know did not stay home and come to Penn State, who we were recruiting him very hard, hasn't really lived up to his um, top wide receiver in the high school country uh, out of high school. He is now getting going finally with with his um, health concerns seemingly behind him. He had two catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Egbuka had 80 yards and a touchdown. Marvin Harrison had 62 yards and a touchdown. Um, and, you know, they even have a tight end who's pretty solid, and Cade Stover, uh, who who's you know he, he's a big dude, and and we need to be a, on the lookout for him. He's number eight. Um, he he um is he's he's capable. He hasn't really had a monster year, but he has two hundred thirty one yards and two touchdowns already. Um, so he's a guy we need to watch out for because you know in years past with Ohio State, guess who's scored touchdowns that have broken our back in many games in recent memory against Ohio State? They're tight ends. And and we need to be watching out for that when you know while, while trying to cover these uh, you know elite wide receivers. That are I mean, all their over the passing field. attack is just it's just incredible. They have twenty nine passing touchdowns on the year. Yeah. Um. It, you know, and and they're distributed among their top three or four guys quite evenly. So uh, it's going to be a really really important day for our receivers to try to try to hold them in check and and, you mean, and for uh, our line for, and our for linebackers their, for, to make CJ Stroud uncomfortable for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. So our defense is going to have to play lights out hands down their best uh they got to play like they played against Auburn. The the game the game plan against Auburn I hoped is somewhat replicated against um you know I hope we it's got to be a chaos defense. That's what I'm that, suggesting. Yeah. That yeah, I mean but again, I, I think our offense is going to be the one that that will give us a chance to win the game by not turning the ball over 
mm. and putting points on the board, you know? So, uh, look, let's, let's go into predictions, man. I, I mean, uh, we've talked about this game. Everyone knows who Ohio state is. Everyone. I think it's expecting Ohio state to win. Uh, I, I think we've already talked about, there's a chance that Penn state can win this game, but what do you think is going to happen? You're going to be at that game at the stripe out. I don't know if you're going to be wearing blue or white, but what do you Listen, think will happen when when the ball finally kicks off? What are we going to see from Penn State? How's it going to turn out? Listen, in 2016, Franklin was like undefeated against the spread, and we were underdogs in like the majority of the games that year. Now, we were an underdog in the Michigan game, and the spread was seven, <laughs> and uh, we, <laughs> we were way off. But being at home plays a, a little bit of a different role here. Beating Minnesota the way we did plays a, plays into this a little bit differently. And, you know, I just, it's hard to go undefeated. And and if you're Ohio State, if you're Ohio State and you're a Ohio State fan, you are 100% thinking that you're going to steamroll Penn State. You're going to think that we don't belong in the same field, but they're on our field. You know, now I picked Michigan to lose against us uh, two weeks ago and then I confessed later that like I really didn't actually believe we'd win <laughs> right I feel that Penn State will keep it more competitive than what we did against Michigan and it's gonna take a miracle to beat Ohio State I'm not suggesting that we need their, any of their players to get hurt, but like it might take that kind of like a oh man they lost a guy and it kind of changes the complexion of the game. Yeah, or like I don't know a blocked field goal for yeah. touchdown return or yeah something like I, that. It, no turnovers is like the key to this game for Penn State and us getting a one or two timely turnovers um, and capitalizing on that like that's the that's the ticket is the capitalizing you know Clifford just the, he needs to put everything all the good things he's ever learned and ever done into a bottle and access all of that in this game yeah like, he's got to be in the flow he cannot be in his head he you know it, we've got to see the best of good Clifford you know again if we have a chance so I don't think you really stop. You don't really slow the offense down as far as their point scoring and the yardage they'll gain. You know, I just. Do you know what their lowest point total of the season is? 50. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, it's they're, they're averaging 49. So their lowest has got to be like 40 or it's 41. Shocking. Or, their lowest score uh, of the season was 21 points against Notre Dame. Right. Right. The the next lowest Arkansas State 45. Right. And by the way, Penn State and uh, and Mike Yersich, sorry, Mike Yersich and Sean Clifford have played in now 15 um seven of their 15 Big 10 games together. They have been under 21 points that the offense has scored. So this in all their be- Big 10 games. On in all the Big Ten games that Sean Clifford has played with Mike Yersich as his offensive coordinator, seven of those 15 have been for less than 21 points. So this cannot be yeah. one of those games. That's coin flip stuff right there. This cannot be the, the yep, tail absolutely. side of the coin flip. We need the head side of the coin here for the entire game coin from flip Sean Clifford and Yersich. And Yo-Yo Yersich. 
Coin like, flip we, Clifford and Yo-Yo Yersich. <laughs> yeah, and Yo-Yo Yersich. Yo-Yo Yersich. <laughs> um, wow, that's a nice little uh, ditty there for if we totally collapse for the rest of the season. Um, so, <laughs> y- you know, Yersich for the first quarter of that game and Clifford for the first quarter of that game were playing that Yo-Yo co- tailside coin flip. Uh, coming on and, and extended, it was essentially an offensive extension of the Michigan game. Exactly. And and so what we need now is an offensive extension of the final three quarters in the Minnesota game going yeah. into this Ohio Absolutely. State game. That's what Absolutely. we need. Absolutely. So Franklin's streaky. Clifford is streaky. You know, can they streak this these last three quarters into production and a good game plan? I need a good game plan here because when Yursich and Clifford are are streaking together uh, and 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 like Clifford's in rhythm and then flow, like it looks good. It, it looks I, good. Not they're, they're, they're moving the ball we well and they're hurrying about. up to the line. And they're you're not making... saying anything we haven't already talked about. What is your prediction? What do you Skir- think you're going to see? I'm skirting around it because I I know I, you don't want to say it. It's so hard, Andy. <laughs> All right. My head and my heart are two different things, and I'm going with my heart, and I'm picking the Penn State Lions in an upset. 40, no, no, 30, (laughs) no, 35 to, it's just so hard to, I don't even know. I don't even, 38 to 35, Penn State. Wow. I mean, just holding... Ohio State. And it comes down to the water. The 35 is incredible. Um, which, by the way, we did. We don't win if it goes into the 40s. Yeah, if we I, have to score into the 40s, I don't see us winning the game. Yeah. I mean, last year we held Ohio State to 33. So You just made my point. Um, I, I, I just don't see it happening this week. I just don't see it 35 happening. to, what did I say? 30, 35, 35 to, 30, to 38 Penn State. Yeah, there it is. I'm picking it. I, I I'm seeing 38 to 24 Ohio State. I don't. I, look, I don't <laughs> pick Penn State to lose last week. <laughs> I, I don't think that it's impossible for Penn State to get the win. I, I think. I just can't pick Ohio State to win. I just can't do it, and I won't I, do it, no matter what. Ever, I'll never do it. Yeah, well, and I could, I, I would probably give you a 38 to 35, something like that for Penn State. Or a, I'm a fan, not an analyst. I'm 45 to 42. I just, I just don't see that Penn State has shown me enough to say that they can run with Ohio State in all phases for four quarters. Guess what? I, Neither did the 2016 team. I, I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying there's, there's not a chance that they could win, but I just, I just don't see it all coming together. I, I look, ten and two is a great season and signature win, signature win. Gosh, a we Franklin need it, man. Signature, a Franklin signature win and Sean Clifford's last chance to make to have a signature this? win. A Ryan Day signature loss. Well, yeah. Do you remember how <laughs> dejected Urban Meyer was after that loss? I, I I would love nothing better than for Ohio State to have he's just an never, awful day. He's only lost one regular season uh, Big Big Ten game ever, and that was last year against Michigan. And here's the other reason why I'm I'm, Urban, I'm sorry Ryan Day that is uh, why I'm suspicious of it is that you know Michigan had a game plan. By the way, it's their same game plan this year of run the ball down your throat and force you to stop us. And it doesn't matter how many touchdowns you score because you're just not going to get the ball. 
and we're going to make you uncomfortable enough that you make some mistakes. That was Michigan's formula, and they they did it great, and they're fixing to do it again this year. But I I just that's not what Penn State is able to bring to the table. Can Manny Diaz come up with some magic? Maybe. Can Sean Clifford put it together and Mike Yershich come up with some some wizardry? Possibly. I just all things being equal, I just, I just don't see it happening this this week. So that's that's me. Thirty eight to twenty four. Yeah, I'm State. choosing the optimism and the hope. Do it. I'm choosing it. I'm going Do to it. it, and I'm gonna. Here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna we're gonna see Penn State has an opportunity. Like th- th- it'll look good for a while, and I will throw out my negativity, and I'll get so excited, like JoJo the idiot circus boy, and, with a pretty new pet. Yeah, with my pretty new pet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, and then I will, I will That's crash me. even I'm harder. Boy. I'm Jojo, the, the, the idiot circus boy, with my pretty new pet, uh, James. I'm drinking the James Franklin Kool Aid and the and the Sean Clifford Kool Aid right now, going into the biggest game of the season at Beaver Stadium, with all the hope. It, it, my the my head says it ain't happening. My heart is gonna want it to happen, and I will be devastated when it doesn't. Still, yeah. I, I just I, I think the smart the, the smart money is that you're not uh, betting you moron. i know but I, no one's using your prediction I sure hope for not. betting i don't recommend it. <laughs> yeah if any of them out there that, is there were two that, touchdown dumb two touchdown loss is what i you win coming. by the way you what's our records now now that you, i've lost track i mean i won like three or four in a row and then we just things went off the rails after michigan we don't keep track i'm i'm still leading i think but you're you're, sure, you're catching up care. you win you come in the season <laughs> for all i care <laughs> i give it to you all right. Well, thanks for listening to us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in our father's uh, like upstairs back porch office, which used to be my bedroom at one point in my life. Did we tell and that story on this podcast? <laughs> the the no. story of how you got to have that as your bedroom? N- no, but I we'll don't think anyone cares day. at all. But I am sitting here looking at an actual uh, compact disc player. Uh, like a personal compact disc player. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, um, incredible. Like a, a knockoff RCA disc man. Uh, but I'm also, but I'm also looking at an incredible caricature, um, uh, uh, painting or drawing painting, um, from our brother-in-law, uh, David McSween for that. We gave to dad for his, uh, 70th birthday last year. Was it? Yeah, and it's we're all on the bridge of the the USS Starship Enterprise, and we're all dressed in original Star Trek series uh, <laughs> uniforms. And Dad's in the captain's chair, and I'm I'm sitting where I think Sulu typically sits, and you're you're Spock with the pointy ears, <laughs> and Lara's Uhura in the back, and Carolyn's sitting where where Chekhov does, and Ma. Mom, I'm sorry, mom's Uhura and Laura is just, I guess she. I think I'm going to, bro, I think I'm going to cut this part out of the podcast. That's no amazing. One wants to hear this. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, you missed your chance to talk about your surroundings at the beginning when we were doing all the how you doing stuff. It's time to close it up. Um, <laughs> Leave it in. No one's caring. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening to this show. Um, we're, we're hoping for the best and uh, bracing for the worst uh, this week. Um, thanks for sticking with us through this season. If you have a mailbag entry, we will put your entry on the air one way or another, um, assuming it's uh, suitable for the general public. And um, would love you anyone to leave a rating or review. Um, until next week, bro, it always, it always starts with I love starts you. Starts with I love you, and it always ends with I love you. 
I love the increased enthu- <laughs> the enthusiasm on that line has just grown through the through the series. You know, just, what we've never done. We've never started it with "I love you." We always just end it with "I love you." So it doesn't always start with "I love you." It only always ends with "I love you." <laughs> it's implied. <laughs> Anyways, you guys want to hear what else is in in here? <laughs> <laughs> Shut this thing off. Uh, you have derailed. Uh, bro- we are <laughs> Penn State. And we're done. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 